Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, August 30th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. As the Royals and their young roster enter the final month of the season, it's natural to wonder if there's a long-term contract in the near future for players like Bobby Witt Jr. or Brady Singer. We discuss the topic on today's show with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell. On one hand, long-term deals provide security. You've got that player locked up for multiple years. The deals are costly, but that's the price of knowing a wit, a singer, or someone else will be in a Royals uniform for a long time. But there are plenty of cautionary tales out there when long-term deals don't work out. We discuss that as well. Also on the list of today's topics, who might the Royals summon when rosters expand this week? And with next year's balanced schedule out, is that a plus or a minus for the Royals in 2023? The show started as a Sports Beat Live. Let's get started. Hey, good morning from sunny Kansas City. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, presented by the University of Kansas Health System. This is our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Royals with the folks in the media who know them best. Sam McDowell is here, and so is Lynn Worthy, Baja Gregorian, on vacation. You'll see him soon, I'm guessing. Depends on how much he likes his vacation, I guess. Um, and listen, uh, want to talk with you. Send us your questions and comments. You know the drill. Uh, talk Royals with us. So uh, let, let's get started. First of all, um, meet, meet the new background, same as the old background. Uh, back in the office here in Kansas City, great to be back and to have a studio from which to chat with you. So, guys, I thought we would uh, begin today discussing long term contracts. It's been in the news here lately because of the the deal that Julio Rodriguez, the fantastic rookie outfielder with the Seattle Mariners, uh, signed. And we'll get into the details here in a moment. But just the concept of a long-term contract is, you know, there's pluses and minuses to, to the idea. The Royals have been down this road a couple of times with young players bunch of young players on this Royals team, but Lynn, let's just conceptually, um, what, uh, what works and what doesn't work with a long-term contract? Well, I think one of the big um, benefits from the team standpoint is just, you have cost certainty. Um, you know, you know what this player's salary is going to be for the period of that contract, as opposed to with arbitration and free agency where, you know, that, that number is, um, to be determined and how you're going to fit other players around that is to be determined as well. Um, for the player standpoint, you know, you, you, they also have that certainty of, you know, they're going to be making more than they would have, I, you know, um, potentially at least in those first couple of years where they're under team control. So guy who's a rookie this year, um, you know, who started the, the, the started the season, in the majors this year, doesn't become a free agent until after 2027. Um, but you sign an extension where you're going to give yourself, you know, a, a good chunk of money up front. You know that that's you're going to have that no matter what. If there's injury or something goes wrong, if your performance takes a downturn, um, that that money is there and guaranteed. As opposed to right now, where you maybe make, um, you know, whatever the team wants to give you for the first three years, and then whatever um, you're able to get arbitration the three after that. Uh, so th- there's some benefits that way. Um, there's also just the the idea of um, you know, having guys locked in in terms of like, okay, you know, this guy is going to be here past that period. So like if you have a guy that, you know, 
you would like to build around going forward. You know, right now you've got him for that period of time, but after that, could be gone. Could be playing for the Yankees. Could be playing for whoever. Um, so uh, there's a lot of um, you know uh, benefits, at least on the surface level. Um, but of course, there's always things you got to factor in because um, whether people think of it as this way or not, it's like when you make that decision on one guy, you're also sort of making decisions on other guys, especially in Kansas City, because you're not going to be able to pay all of them. So um, whether it's young guys or even older guys, I mean, just thinking back a couple of years ago um, and not to say that this wasn't the, the right decision. I think it actually probably the contrary, but like when the Royals decided they were going to extend Salvador Perez and pay him what they paid him, that was, you know, also a decision that, you know, um, I think at that time, um, again, it's, not really that big a deal now, but I mean, you knew at that time that Jorge Soler, who, you know, was coming off of uh record setting season like that, they were paying both of those guys. So, um, like I say, you make a decision on one guy, you're also probably making decisions on other guys who you know you won't pay later on. Okay, Sam, uh, the Royals have a couple of candidates for long-term contract consideration uh, for, for the new, in the near future, to decisions to make in the near future. Bobby Wood Jr. certainly comes to mind, and that was the player I thought about immediately after hearing about Julio Rodriguez's deal. But the way Brady Singer has been playing, uh, pitching this year, I think he would be a candidate for that. I think there's some cost effectiveness uh, to the long-term contract, but um, but also, you know, as Lynn said, there's some predictability about uh, you know about the the um, uh, the team payroll going forward with long-term deals, but should the Royals invest long-term now in, in uh, players like Bobby Witt and Brady Singer? Well, I'm always more hesitant about giving a pitcher, you know, a five, six year deal, which is what it would cost to, you know, like Lynn said, buy out beyond the arbitration years. Um, with Bobby Witt, you know, you look at that Julio Rodriguez contract. First of all, it's one of the most complicated contracts I've ever seen. I mean, both the club and the player have options tacked onto that. Um, certain escalators, if there's MVPs, won during that. Um, basically, you know, he's going to get 210 million. It's what, how much beyond that, and you know, it could rise to above 400 million. I mean, it could end up being the, you know, as of now, the richest contract in baseball. Um, but you know, you look at the seasons of Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt. First of all, they're they're worth comparing because those were two guys coming into the season along with Adley Rutschman from Baltimore that were seen as the best prospects in baseball coming in to the year. All three of those were young guys, too. Um, I think that Rodriguez has certainly had a better season. He was at the All-Star game for a reason. I think his defense has been significantly better than Bobby Witt Jr. He's shown that his defense in, center, in a plus position like center field can be an asset. Bobby Witt has yet to show that he can consistently be um, a contributor on the defensive side of the field. And, um, you know, the, the analytics numbers reflect that. I mean, when you look at, you know, full bodies of work with stats like war on fan graphs and baseball reference, I mean, Rodriguez blows Bobby Witt out of the water just for this season. Um, I still think that there's a lot of room to grow for Bobby Witt, and I still think he's got all the tools and athleticism to where that's eventually going to catch up. Um, and so then if you believe that, you say, well, now might not be a terrible time to, to sign him because maybe, you know, you're not paying the most premium price because of that. You know, I think his war right now, for example, is one, just 1.0. Um, so 
I don't think you can give him that Julio Rodriguez contract. First of all, I'm not sure the Royals can afford a contract like that because of what Lynn said. Um, you've got so many other young guys that it, it sort of puts you in a bind and a sticky situation with those other guys. Um, but absolutely, they should be exploring what can they get done with a guy like that. Um, and, you know, to the Braves have, have actually set this trend the last three or four years. They signed a bunch of young guys like Acuna, Ozzy Albies. I don't think Michael Harris this year is a great comparison because he doesn't fit that mold of Rodriguez and Rutschman and Witt as far as being those top prospects coming into the year. Um, but I think the Royals could learn something from what the Braves are doing with maybe some of their other guys. I mean, you mentioned Brady Singer. I wonder, like a guy like MJ Melendez. I think there's other guys on this roster that the Royals need to decide are 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 these guys going to be the core moving forward, or do we hope these guys are going to be the core moving forward? The the other thing on this that um, that comes to my mind immediately too is, is once you lock a guy in, if something goes wrong, you can't buy your way out of it in Kansas City like you can in some other places. So if you know you you, you lock you know whoever Bobby Wood Jr. in, and he has, he starts to you know not saying this is going to happen, but he, he breaks down or he's going to miss, he's going to miss, you know, season or he, he has, you know, um, whatever sort of issues. I mean, you look at uh, Wanda Franco got locked in and he hasn't really contributed significantly for the Rays this year. Fernando Tatis, of course, people know that, you know, he got that big contract and now there's some issues in San Diego with him going forward. Um, and in Kansas city, once you do that, if you have those issues, then you're stuck. I mean, again, you, you've already made decisions on other guys that you're not going to be able to pay, and then you can't do anything about that money that's not, you know, you know, living up to whatever it is that you expect. And that's why you have to be so careful about who you give that deal to um, and what you expect from that guy going forward. Um, and, and it's also interesting to me just, you know, that um, like Sam was talking about, just uh, how sticky that makes it for other guys is – what's the number that you have to get it to to buy out those first couple of years and also make the back end affordable? Because I think Julio Rodriguez, like if I looked at it right, um, like in 2034, he's making like $18 million a year. But I think in a, another year or so, he's going to make $10 million a year. So it, it depends on the guy who what he's going to say is like, okay, for $10 million next year, I'll take $18 million down the line. Or is the guy say, well, 10 million next year is not enough for me to take 18 down the line because I could make it 28 down the line. And it, it becomes that sort of a, you know, negotiating with the player and his, his uh, representatives on what that number is going to be. And then what that, you know, 10 or 12 or whatever you got to pay them the next couple of years means for your salary in those seasons and who you can't and can't um, pay. You know, there are ex examples abound uh, with long-term contracts, even with the Royals, you know, Alex Gordon, with his, what was it, four years, $72 million, uh, after the 2015 season. And, you know, he didn't, didn't play up to that deal, but injuries played a, a, a big role in that for Alex. And I think overall, historically, the Royals absolutely got their money's worth with Alex Gordon. Um, but I think back, you mentioned the Braves, Sam. I, I go back to the 1990s when the Cleveland Indians did this with um, Carlos Baerga and – uh, Kenny Lofton, some other players that helped keep the in, the Cleveland Indians, you know, competitive and among the best teams in baseball for for more than a decade. They were able to fund this, uh, you know, their, their long term deals by selling out then Jacobs Field for um, for game after game. I mean, it was incredible with the 
what Cleveland's attendance was over those years that were they were able to manage payroll and and, and hand out long-term deals. But I, I, I think there are more examples. There are certainly more um, uh, examples of it not working, at least than than that it is working. It seems like it seems to me that the long-term deal is celebrated on the day it's signed in a big way, right? It's, it's great. We got, we've got this player for next, you know, five, 10, whatever it is. Uh, and then after that, it's, you know, poor, the, the poor player, is he living up to it? It's every, it's every at bat. Are you living up to your contract? Are you living up to, you know, the, your season? Is it living up to the contract? And it, it becomes a, a tough deal for, for those who have it. That's one other thing that I, I was going to mention, Blair, is, I mean, the, the Royals throughout spring training tried their best to take pressure off of Bobby Wood Jr. And we all knew he was the number one prospect in baseball. And there, I mean, you can't ignore that aspect of it. But, man, there's nothing that's going to put more pressure on a player than give them $200 million. And, by the way, that that's long-lasting. That's not just the number one prospect for your rookie year. I mean, that that's a long-lasting trait that all of a sudden you're putting on a guy to deal with. And I think that would have to play a factor as well. Lynn makes a great point with the Fernando Tatis contract as well. There were not a lot of people that thought the Fernando Tatis contract was a bad deal for the Padres. There's not a lot of teams that would want that contract based on what he's going through right now. Um, and I still think Tatis is going to be a wonderful player when he comes back from his suspension, but all of a sudden one year into that deal, there's already doubt about the, the longevity of that deal. So Larry Looper weighs in. Uh, yes. Long-term deals on Bobby Wood Jr. And Brady Singer. So um, one vote. Yes. From, from our fans. So interesting scenario and one that the Royals haven't had to consider for, for a while. Uh and just a couple things uh, you mentioned. Uh, Julio Rodriguez's WAR is over. It's over four, isn't it? Uh, uh, Bobby Woods right now is at one. Yeah, I think Rodriguez is at three and a half, maybe. But let me is it, is, is it three? Yeah, double check that. Um, and you're right; he was an All Star this year, and, and uh, Witt, I think could have been, just wasn't wasn't selected. No, you're, been intended. you're right, Blair. It's it's four point four. Um, but I mean, he's he's a positive defensively in in center field, and you know, Witt on Fangraphs as as of a couple of weeks ago was was bottom five among shortstops in baseball. And I'm not trying to build the case against Bobby Witt getting a long term contract or long term deal. Um, I'm just I think the cautionary tales are important here um, to to consider. Just trying to okay. drive down the price, Blair. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's take a break and hear from the University of Kansas Health System. When we come back, I want to ask Lynn about um, roster expansions this week. What are the Royals considering? March 4th, 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast. We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans this is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers. Why would you go anywhere else? 
Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Back on Sports Beat Live, talking Royals with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell. with you, please do what Larry did. Send us your questions and comments, and we'll talk Royals with you. Okay, um, is it tomorrow or, or Thursday, Lynn, when, when the rosters expand uh, to 28? Um, it's not – I don't believe it's tomorrow. I think it's Thursday. Um, okay. It's once you get into September, I believe. Unless it, I know that this year has been a little bit different with some of those things, but – um, it's also only going to be two, two players, which I remember last year, everybody was sort of, you know, um, in their mind had already penciled in that, you know, okay, end of the season, you're going to see some of these young guys. And it's like, you're not seeing anybody, you know, I mean, I think, well, I know I, I just from conversations I have with people, I'd sort of reported it in August, trying to get people ready for the fact that you weren't going to see Bobby Witt in September last year, because, they were only adding two players. One of them was going to be a pitcher. And then the other one was uh, at that point in time, you already knew it was going to be Mondesi coming back from, you know, from injury. Um, this year, I think it's going to be a continuation of what um, the Royals had said, even just a couple weeks ago in Tampa, when they were bringing, uh, when they brought up uh, Castillo and they said, you're going to see some guys revolving in and out because they want to get looks at guys. So some of the pitchers, I mean, Again, right now you have a um, rotation where Heasley made a start. Um, Granke right now is on the IL. Um, Castillo probably should get more starts as well. Uh, when Granke comes back, um, he'll be in there. So you're going to see guys that you've already seen, I think, as far as the pitching side. Maybe some other guys come up, that, but I don't think it's going to be a whole lot of additions to the 40-man. I think it's going to be guys that you have seen, whether that means Jackson Coar comes back up. Um, and then on the position player side, maybe you see some, I, I still think it's going to be some of those young guys that you've already seen too, whether that's a, you know, Nate Eaton comes back up, um, whether that means, uh, somebody like Garcia comes back up. Um, also remembering that it's not until I think mid September when Oliveris will be due to come off of the IL, but he was actually, uh, taking some swings in the cage pregame the other day. Uh, in my, if I'm going off the top of my head, he got hurt at the end of the Toronto series. So that was mid July and they put him on the 60. So it's going to be middle September before he can come back up. So before that, you may see some other guys, but, um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, you're going to see new names, guys that you haven't seen. I think it's going to be more of the guys you've seen just coming back up and you're not going to, it's really only going to be a couple of spots that you're adding. Yeah, it's kind of more the same of what, what they've done since the All-Star break, right? And uh, it's giving giving guys an opportunity to see what it's like to be in the majors and to give the Royals a chance to further evaluate guys like Garcia, right? And um, and, and, and maybe in a pitcher as well. Um, so, you know, this, it's, it's different for teams that are in the chase, right? And the you know, playing for post, postseason positioning. Than it is for a team like the Royals that is not 
you know, they're, they're, they're looking at next season and looking at what they have and get a better chance to evaluate. I like the thought of the, you know, the, the group that played in Toronto, you know, picking from basically picking from that group, um, the, the guys that were in that Toronto series because of the, the vaccination controversy a couple of months ago. Uh, all right. Another topic. Hey, before we get to this, I'm going to talk about the schedule, but before we get to this, I was curious what you thought about Daniel Lynch um, these days. He is really a, you know, a player that shows great promise at times and others scuffs along and they can't get five innings out of him. Sam, I don't know if you were at Daniel Lynch's last outing, um, but it just, you know, it seems to me they, they, they really need to get some consistency from him to feel like there's a big upside for Daniel Lynch. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Lynn will expand on this, but um, I think Daniel Lynch could learn, learn something from Brady Singer's mindset this year. I mean, Brady Singer, we, we've talked about the changeup a lot, but one of the things he's mentioned is that he basically decided he's going to make guys hit their way on base that, you know, he's going to stop nibbling on the edges and he's going to just trust his stuff. If he throws it, it's going to be good enough, even if it is in the strike zone. And I think Daniel Lynch has to go into the mindset, into the game with the mindset that he's going to throw five plus innings. And sometimes that's going to require throwing some pitches in meatier parts of the plates than, than he probably wants to. I think that's definitely part of it. Uh, I think that's part of just the, the natural progression. I mean, I think people, you know, I mean, use Brady Singer as an example. I think he's a good example because of the progress he's made. But we also remember that he began uh, the 2020 shortened season in the big leagues and went through that short season, went through last season, um, got sent back down to the minors at the start of this season, and then came back up and has looked like the guy that he's looked like. So it was, it was not a straight line as far as like, you know, it wasn't a, you know, just a step-by-step steady progression. The progression isn't, you know, always um, just a, 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 you know, you start from here and you get to here and it's going to be a set number of time, a set amount of time. It just doesn't work that way. Um, it's different for every guy. Um, so I do like the singer, you know, example, but also just in the fact that it tells you that it doesn't, you know, you can't really predict it. It's not going to go on a set timetable. Um, and also, I think we got to also factor in for Lynch. Um, I think he threw less than 70 innings last year and he's over a hundred this year. And as much as he says fatigue doesn't factor in and, and he, he'll, you know, uh, shoot that down anytime you mention it. Um, it's just a fact. I mean, if there's, you know, there's reasons that guys have gotten shut down at the end of seasons because they've reached a certain amount of innings more than they've ever thrown before. Um, so between the, the short season where guys, you know, like him weren't even in the majors, didn't have, you know, actual games to pitch in. Then last season, their first season in the big leagues and, you know, pitching a sort of, you know, really minimized amount of innings to trying to do a full season this year. And he's even had some IL stints. Uh, I think that also factors in too, what you're seeing at the end of the season, the guy's trying to get to the finish line. 470 ERA for Lynch right now. Um, would like to see that come down. Over, I'm sure he would like to see it come down to the Royals over his last few starts of the season. Uh, kind of a news item that, uh, that broke last week at some point that didn't get a lot of attention, but I think it's interesting is that the Royals and all of baseball, uh, the the, the 2023 schedule was announced and it's going to be different than what we're used to. 
the Royals are going to play 24 fewer games against AL Central opponents. I think it's they're, they're, they're go from three trips into each city down to two, I, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, guys. And then they're going to greatly increase, and baseball is going to greatly increase, the number of interleague games. The Royals go from, uh, and every team goes from 20 this year to 46 next year. The number of games against other AL uh, teams remains about the same. They're doing. Uh, they're, they're at 66 this year. They go to 64 next year. But that um, a, a lot of a lot fewer games against uh, Tigers, Twins, uh, White Sox, and Guardians for the Royals next year, and and more games against Dodgers, Braves, uh, Mets, uh, also Pirates and Reds. But uh, but Lynn, is this a uh, how might this impact or affect the, the Royals going into next year? Well, I guess and I think that's going to be one of those things um, that's year to year in terms of whether you feel like you're getting a benefit from that or if you're getting, you know, um, the short end from that. Because it depends on how your division is. You know, there might be years where you feel like you want to get fat against some of those division teams. If, you know, certain teams are down, you want those games. Uh, as opposed to, you know, some years where you say getting roughed up by the division, play anybody else, Let's get, get anybody else in here on a, on a regular basis. Um, so that's going to change from year to year. But um, I think it's going to be the interesting thing that I'm interested in is just you're going to see a lot of teams that you're not as familiar with, um, particularly I feel like with, you know, whether that's pitcher, batter matchups and like, you know, one of the things that you hear, especially with these young pitchers is they lean on, um, some of the catchers for their familiarity with a lot of the lineups when you're playing against the divisional teams. Now, and that's not to say they won't do their homework and, and have that familiarity or have some familiarity with some of these other clubs, but um, there's going to be teams that you have only seen maybe once in the last three years that you're going to be seeing, you know, every year now. And that's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It's generally, generally, um, with with AL Central teams, lower payroll and AL Central teams going to play more higher payroll teams. Uh, it may not be a, a a big difference, but it'll be some. And the other idea is uh, all teams will play each other next year, right? The, uh, the the Royals will see every National League team at some point, and they'll play the the Cardinals will be the only team they play twice, but uh, but they'll see every team. Here they go from. You know, not having played the Padres at Kauffman Stadium since 2002, and they finally, you know, they just wrapped up the series with them, and they, they play the Padres again, although in, in San Diego next year. But I don't know, Sam. I, I, I look, I, I think people who follow the Royals closely do get tired of seeing the same opponents. Heck, they end the, what is, they end the year of this year with six straight games against Cleveland. So um, at least there'll be a little variety in the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something baseball's needed to do. I mean, because, you know, they, they need to better showcase their stars to everybody. You know, their stars need to be national stars in every baseball city. Um, and that this this helps that. But <clears throat> the real winner of this is because the Royals have a harder schedule. Their schedule just got harder. The real winner of this is Len Worthy because his trips to Cleveland and Detroit are only going to be twice a year instead of three times a year. And you just mentioned he's going to San Diego instead of Cleveland and Detroit. So I think, I think Len's the, the, the winner in, in the schedule release. Yeah. I noticed there was like a national league opponent, like in the first three road trips next year, there's a, either a West coast or a national league, uh, both really a, 
Dodgers, Giants, uh, either Diamondbacks, Padres um, in, in the first month or two months of the season next year. I remember that um, when Bob Dutton used to cover the Royals, he told me going to Cleveland's great. Going to Cleveland for the fourth time in the year is not so great. That's great. To the probably also point out that 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 last stretch at the end of the season is partially because of the uh, the lockout too. So it w- they right. wouldn't normally schedule six games in Cleveland. They wouldn't normally do that to anybody. But you know, with the lockout, that's uh, how things shook out for them. I wonder if any teams played another team six straight games. But there we are. Uh, uh, at the end of the season for the Royals and the Cleveland Guardians. So, all right, listen, uh, it always, as always, enjoyed the conversation with Sam McDowell and Lynn Worthy and with you. Uh, thanks to uh, Monty Davis for producing today's show and to the University of Kansas Health System for presenting. We will talk Royals with you again next Tuesday. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights on the Royals. Hey, the morning sports edition was 37 pages today. Plenty of good stuff about college football, the U.S. Tennis Open, the NFL, auto racing, baseball, you name it. We had it in morning sports edition. For more information, go to liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.